0: Hey, everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I I thought I'd open with a story I think you're going to appreciate. I love these grandpa-grandma stories. A little four-year-old Jason decided he wanted to go visit grandpa and grandma, So one day he walked into grandpa's study and grandpa was reading intently. And of course, you know how this is going to happen and it's going to play out. Jason's going to say something and grandpa's going to pretend he was listening, but he wasn't. So Jason came in and handed grandpa his apple and then said something to grandpa. And grandpa just nodded and continued to keep reading intently. A little Jason walked out and it was that moment that grandpa looked and thought, oh, grandma must have sent him in with an afternoon snack, so he begins to eat the apple. Well, when he was about to take the last bite, little Jason come walking back in and noticed that Grandpa had eaten his apple and started to cry uncontrollably. Well, of course, Grandpa said, Jason, what's wrong? When he could finally speak, he said, Grandpa, I didn't want you to eat my apple. I just asked you to get the worm out of it. (laughs) Now, I think that this is a reality in the church today. I think this is what a lot of people have done with Christianity. Just enough Jesus to get the worm out. Just enough information that maybe it gives them something to talk about, but not enough of God's word to grow in such a way that they have transformation that they now can walk it out. It concerns me greatly. And that's why we're into this brand new series. You see, the goal of Christianity is not salvation. Let me say it again. The goal of Christianity was not salvation. It was transformation. See, Jesus on the cross took our sins so we could be saved. But that's not why he did that. Because he knew in and of ourselves, we're in trouble. So in that salvation, we now get to grow and to become like Jesus. That's the goal of Christianity. It's as Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus. He says this, that we're to grow in such a way to mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. To the church of Rome he wrote, God chose us to become like his son, Jesus. I mean, that's what it's about. I want to read you a poem I think you're going to appreciate it. I found it recently on the internet and it's going to sound like a poem that maybe we all had heard many years ago, but I want you to listen carefully because it's a little different when it comes to the ending. One night I had a wondrous dream. One set of footprints is all I'd seen. The footprints of my precious Lord, but mine were not on that shore. But then some stranger prince appeared, and I asked my Lord, what do we have here? These prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they're too big for feet. Oh, my child, he said in somber tone, for miles I carried you all alone. I challenge you to walk in faith, but you refused and made it your way. You disobeyed, you would not grow, this walk of faith you did not sow. So I got tired and I dropped you here on your butt because you did not fear. For you see in life, there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb. For one must rise and take a stand or leave their butt print in the sand. (laughs) You know, I think of that eternal shore someday and all you're gonna see are butt prints all over the sand. Can I just say something? There's way too much immaturity in God's church among the body of Christ. There's just way too much immaturity. Too much of people putting their pain, their problem, their position, their past always before them rather than fighting the good fight and fighting for the bond of unity. And yet Paul says we're to walk by faith, walk by faith. By the way, Jesus said what? Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Man, and yet how many people call themselves Christian and are willing to forfeit, if you will, in a moment of immaturity what really matters to God most, and that's relationships. There's just too much immaturity. Too much of people arguing over what is a tithe. Too many people arguing over the fact that that what's wrong if I'm not in church. Too many people always talking about what they think, talking about what they believe, rather than what the Word of God says. And that's what this series is really all about. I want to read to you. What I think are some evidences of an immature faith, I think it's when you put your feelings and make them always greater of value than the entire family of God as a whole. I think that's an evidence of immaturity. Would you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think it's immaturity, if you will, when walking out is easier than working something out. Yeah. I, I just think yeah. that's an evidence of immaturity. I think it's immature when you're quicker to talk to others about how you had been wronged rather than first gathering all sides of the facts and the truth. I think it's an evidence of immaturity when you value the temporal moment rather than God's eternal glory. And the writer of Hebrews says, I think it's time to grow up. Because he literally writes in Hebrews 6, let us go on to maturity. I mean, we're told that even Paul says, uh, I still have to feed you milk. You should be eating mature food by now. Peter says that we're supposed to not just read the word, but to obey it. So we would grow up in all maturity. and, And as a child drinking, that we would become an adult in our thinking, if you will. Over and over, the Bible says it. So this summer, we're going to go for the next 14 weeks. We're going to be in a series called Growing Your Faith. What does it really mean to be a person of faith? What does it really mean to be a person who's mature in Christ? Because that's what really God desires. It's what he desires. You know, there's a song out by a group called Switchfoot. And one of the lines is this. We were meant to live for so much more. We were, we were meant to live for so much more. Uh, let me just say this, life is not about coming to Jesus. Life is about becoming like Jesus. Good
2: life. Good life, right?
0: yep. And that's what, that's what this series is all about. So if you got your Bibles, I wanna invite you to go to Luke chapter eight. Luke chapter eight, Jesus tells a parable about a sower, a farmer who goes out and he sows seed. And he walks through uh, four different, if you will, people and how a seed gets sown and how it gets planted and why it grows or why it doesn't grow. And so in Luke chapter eight, I'm gonna begin in verse 11, where Jesus explains the parable. Luke chapter 8, verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. What good is it to hear something and yet it doesn't change us? it makes no sense. Verse 13, the seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. I call those the altar call people. They go to an event, they rush to the altar, there's an emotion, there's an excitement, but they never take time To develop and nurture that seed. Verse 14. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message. But all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. And so they never grow into maturity. I think this is the most common. People always think that they can somehow keep one foot in Christ and one foot in the world. But the Bible says we're not supposed to be of the world. By the way, Paul says, what? We're aliens in this strange planet, he calls it. This is not our home. And Jesus said, what? Put not your treasures on earth, put them in heaven. That's our home. But then verse 15, it says, and the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. But now I want you to skip down to verse 18 because I think this is the most significant verse. And too often when people preach this, they stop where I just stopped. But this is to me the most significant verse. Verse 18, so pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given." But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Wow. Pay close attention to how you hear. Listen to the words of Gordon MacDonald from his book, Ordering Your Private World. The inner garden is a delicate place. And if not properly maintained, will be quickly overrun by intrusive undergrowth. Now, here's what he says. God does not often walk in disordered gardens. And that is why inner gardens that are ignored are said to be empty. Bringing order to the spiritual dimension of our private world, and here's what he calls, is your spiritual gardening. It's your responsibility. It is the careful cultivation of spiritual ground. The gardener turns up soil, pulls out unwanted growth, plans the use of the ground, plants seeds, waters, and nourishes, and thus enjoys the harvest that results. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to take this parable, and I want to give you three keys that I'm going to call them that we must take, or three steps, three things that we must do if we want to grow our faith and develop what God wants us to grow to maturity. So if you got a place to write, here's the first one. Listen. Now, come on, say it with me. Listen. Listen. Now, we're gonna talk about this, but I just wanna pause right now before we really get into it.
3: Up until this point, what's going through your mind? What you just got done saying is true to this extent, and I don't think most of the world realize it. As you know, for the last decade, I'm increasingly more and more and more to talk about ages of entitlement. We're in the fourth age of entitlement since World War II. More and more and more and more parents were trying to make things easier for their kids. We've gone so far that we reversed the direction of life. Life was intended to live outwardly, directly. Everything now is inward, totally. To the extent, and this is a true statement, most seminaries today are not no, lo- they're no longer saying, what did God say, this is what he should have said. When we, I mean, that's, we're that far. And you can't even trust the seminaries right now. They're so into that age of entitlement, they don't even know what they're doing. It's all about self.
2: Sometimes I've been around people, maybe I have two, where you haven't seen them for a while, and especially children, and when you see them again, you go, whoa, look how they've grown, kind of thing. Look how they've, I mean, physically you can see it. But on the other side, you can also see it from the aspect of Mature wise, from an emotional standpoint, spiritual standpoint, you better have been around a person by the way they talk, just the way they carry themselves. You see if they've grown or not. And the saddest fact for me is when you see people, maybe it's been years since you've seen them and there's been no change at all. And you, you see it, it's, it's you can't hide it. So I'm, I'm so excited about what we're going to talk about this summer because
4: of that. Yeah, I think that's what, what came to my mind in, in the middle of that was. Um, You often say to yourself, I got caught up in the moment. And when you had said that there's that temporary, that temporary moment, uh, that that quick high, but that's the caught up in the moment. Oh, I just got caught up in the moment. And then all of a sudden it all goes away. You go back to your normal everyday life.
1: I think some of it comes down to um, our emotions. Like my foster dad always used to say, when emotions are high, thinking is low. So you want to counteract your emotions and thinking to the same level. And, and I think that what is what helps um, a mature Christian. And I think that we also live in a world where we see a lot more transferring Christians than transformational Christians, where they get hurt and they, they automatically just pack up their bags and they go here or they go there versus like staying in it and working it out, like you said, so.
0: So let's talk about listening. Listening, that first step, that first thing that we must do. You know, I've heard these words, that wisdom is the reward you get for a lifetime of listening when you have preferred to talk. I like those words. The wisdom that you get is the reward for a lifetime of listening when you have preferred to talk. William Barclay says, this good ground that Jesus is talking about is always prepared to hear, to listen. They're never too proud or too busy to listen. Many a person would have been saved from all kinds of heartbreak if they had simply stopped to listen to the voice of the wise, the voice of God. Listen to the words of James, be quick to listen. That's what he writes in James, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And then I always say it this way, uh, and you'll be slow to becoming angry. Because I contend that most anger that we actually experience really actually is coming from our unwillingness to listen. If we just pause for a moment and just take time to really listen, really listen. Uh, Former President Bill Clinton, uh, I I just love this quote though, being president is like running a cemetery. You've got a lot of people under you and nobody's listening. (laughs) (laughs) Being a pastor, so a little like that. (laughs) But if you want to grow your faith, then learning the art of truly listening, especially when it comes to God's Word, is absolutely essential. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Let's talk about it.
5: So hearing's a gift. And I was born hearing impaired, so when somebody can hear, I always think to myself, you are so lucky that you can hear, but... Because I don't have that gift, I do a lot of listening. So I can watch a person's body language and listen intently. So sometimes I'll get out of a conversation more than he will. He can hear really well, but I can listen really well. I can watch the body language, et cetera, et cetera. And so for me, not hearing is a gift because I've been able to fine tune listening.
2: I appreciate you saying that, Jane, because maybe on the opposite end, I've had a struggle to do that because I too much want to talk. And so unfortunately what's happening while wow, that's going on, I'm not listening here because I'm already thinking about what my response is, what, what's going through my mind and all the things in it. And unfortunately I've, I've had to learn the hard way <laughs> too many times on that one.
0: I think that same thing happens when we come to God's word. Uh, you know, so many people say, the word just makes no sense to me, but I wonder if it's because of that same mindset that we're not really wanting to listen. You know, we want God to hear us, and, and we don't really approach it that way. It's difficult to read something when you're really not looking for something in it.
4: I don't think too many people have a, make a connection between reading and listening. Because while you're reading, you're listening. You're listening for what God's going to say to you. And uh, it just occurred to me just now when you were saying that, that uh, when you're reading, it's not, the, it's not the quietness of reading, it's the quietness of listening for what God's telling you. So listen, right?
0: We need to listen. But here's the second one. We need to learn. That's what we're talking about here. You know, most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. Can I say it again? Most people don't listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. And I just said it. How many times have I heard people say, man, I just don't get the Bible. You know what I think? It's not that they don't get it. I don't think they want it. I, I just don't think they want to. See, I'm convinced that most of the Bible isn't confusing. It's just they don't want to commit to what it just said. They don't want to hear what it says. Because Solomon wrote in Proverbs, he says, my words are plain to anyone with understanding. He goes on to say, clear to those who want to learn. I don't think the Bible's hard. But I think it's that whole idea that it's going to be difficult to read when one, you're not listening for the voice of God because you don't want to hear what he has to say. That's when learning comes in. Jesus just said in Mark 4, uh, the same story of the parable. Here's what he says here in Mark 4, the same thing. Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. Yeah, that's right. True? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I've heard it said that over half Americans still believe that the Bible is God's authoritative word. Still, over half Americans yet only one-third of them believe you should live by it. (laughs) So it's God's authoritative word, but you don't need to live by it. 50% say they operate by a mixture of God's commands and their own inclinations. Well, I've seen that. And 20% who say it's God's authoritative word they say they completely ignore God's word, ready for this? If it conflicts with their own plans. Mm-hmm. No wonder we have a problem, Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This speaks volumes. Would you agree with that?
3: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let, let's talk about that. This whole thing of listening and learning and how important they are together.
5: You know your statement, listen to understand, that is actually a mark maturity right so if you're listening for understanding um you would you you grow because you're you're learning from something you're trying to understand it um i'm mentoring this young gal in her 20s and i do a lot of talking right because she's younger and but she does a lot of listening because after my father died um i was telling her in the years past my dad always wrote me a letter. Every Thursday I'd run to the mailbox, so excited, because my dad I was going to get a letter from my dad. But this young girl heard that, and after my dad passed, for weeks I wouldn't go to the mailbox because I didn't want that reminder that my dad wasn't around. And so I went um, to the mailbox, and I opened up my mailbox. It's not the kind of mailbox that's in front of your house. You have to go down the street and around the corner to one of those. And I opened up my mailbox, and there was this handwritten letter from the girl that I'm mentoring. And I cried for days that she heard what I said, and she understood, and she listened to my heart about um, that was such a precious thing to me. And so I love that you say, listen to understand. And this young gal, she heard, and she understands. And so I'm going to go give her a fifth fist bump and tell her way to go you're you're maturing
0: (laughs) how much does our father listen to us Mm -hmm. and not every thursday but seven days a week he sends us a letter amen in his word
5: amen yeah
0: because he heard us to give us what we need and yet we're too busy
5: We just have to remember.
0: If we would take time and open up this word that every day he writes, as your father would do for you, Mm -hmm. our heavenly father, because he really cares about us having a deep faith, a deep relationship with him, because he knows what we're going through. He hears everything Mm -hmm. that is in our life and has given us the answer. And imagine how that would mature us if we would
5: understand that great
1: analogy yeah. great I think when it comes to listening um, there's a couple factors you know it's like you have to sit in silence and you have to really observe and I feel for some people it's more difficult because in the, in those moments um, especially with God like God is showing something true to them that they need to hear and sometimes Or I feel like we live in a culture where we don't want to be told what what we need to hear. We want to be told what we want to hear. And so thus far, we don't want to listen and and sit in silence.
3: Debating with Lady and I think you had an experience like this. I was trying to argue with her about something. I don't even remember what it was. But finally, in frustration, I was quoting scripture. She said, I don't care what God says. I said, well, you're just more eloquent than I ever could talk about what your problem is. (laughs) If you don't care, we're done.
2: You know, I, I just finished reading a book, and the author said something in a way that made me at least think of things differently. He said, the difference between average people and extra, uh, extraordinary or successful people is 10 seconds. You know, I go, what do you mean by that? He says, average people will listen. He said, but the successful people will take the next 10 seconds after they've either read something, or let's say we're in a conversation and you said something, they'll take 10 seconds to be just silent and say, okay, what can I learn from what they just said? either about them, about the situation, about me, and how I'm responding, about whatever. What can I learn from that? And then based on that, now I interact. And he, he may just say that that's the, that's the learning part. Ten seconds was the difference, and, I, and I, even as I read Scripture now, it's been good for me to say, okay, before I, I finish that chapter, before I go on another chapter, wait. Ten seconds.
0: What, God, what do you want me to
2: hear here? Those kinds of things. So it's been helpful to me to think that way.
0: So listening, truly listening. Like when we read God's word, what is God really saying to us? We have to want that. And then to learn, to unpack it some more. You know, if we could say, do you really desire God's word? Because if you, if you do, then you're going to start digging into it. You want to know more. But there's a third step, a third key to this. I think it's so important, I want you to write it down. So listen, learn and live it out. Live. And by the way, how you live speaks volumes of how you truly listened and learned. You know, there's when I was growing up, I used to go to a camp in Colorado, uh, OMS International it was a missionary camp, and uh, I loved going there, and I was a part of a huge youth gathering. But they had these words, the degree to which you lean on Jesus will determine what God can do in and through your life.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right.
0: The degree in which you, and can I say this? Listen and learn from Jesus will determine everything of what God can do in and through your life. I mean, that's what James said in James one, get rid of all filth and evil in your lives. The Bible is not about salvation. It's about transformation. It's about sanctification. He goes on to say, and humbly accept the message God has planted in your hearts, for it is strong enough to save your souls. Now, watch this. Remember, it is a message to obey, not just to listen to. That's right. It's a message to obey. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey all that I've written. Amen. You'll obey it. But here's the problem. And, and, Bobby, you said it. We live in a very egocentric, prideful world. Mm-hmm. We don't like to be told what to do, where to go, or how to do it. We just don't like it. And I, I see it in the church. Pastor gets up, opens up the Word, preaches the Word. I don't like it. I'm going to go somewhere else. And Peter said what? There'll come a day when people will wrap around them, people who will tell them what they want to hear, their itching ears, to satisfy a scratch. As if somehow we get to determine what is right or wrong. As if somehow God thinks we really have an opinion. We listen to God's word. We learn. And then we're to live it out in our world. I'll say it this way. You will always walk out in your life what you've worked into it. You just all will. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing of the word of God. It changes us. When you meet Jesus, it changes you. Amen. The word is not an option, <laughs> as in a piece of the pie of what you get to pick and choose in Christianity. It's the pie. Yeah, come on,
3: man. Yeah. Faith. Something happened to me Sunday morning that, and God does these things every once in a while. I'm getting ready to go to church. I got everything all mapped out. I've redone the sermon last week three times. And uh, Judy said, hey, you got to watch this here. Now on Sunday morning, and I'm having a bowl of cereal just getting ready to go to church. I'm really not interested in her bringing me something to, but this was God's moment. This was God-given something. I don't know if you heard the story, Archie. He was on the X Factor. And he started out, they said, tell us your story. He said, I just got out of prison 37 years for a crime I didn't do. There were no matching fingerprints, no proof. Three witnesses said I was at their house. I was not even near the scene. And a judge was so mad at me, he said, this is your sentence, 80 years to life without parole. In other words, you're in there for life, but it's 82 life, you'd be over 100 before you got to 80. So I intend for you to be carried out there. You're never gonna know freedom again. One of the judges looked at him and said, how'd you do it? Two things. I prayed and I sung. In a few moments he sung, don't let the sun go down on me. That was one of the songs he sang in prison all all the time. He's not bitter. How in the world do you 365 days a year for 37 years get up when it's been told to you, you're not gonna get out here. You're gonna die right here. There is no hope, nobody cares and you keep it alive 37 years behind bars with no hope. And he hung on to God totally. And his faith was God's gonna see me through. The other thing that reminded me of during the sermon, you know, we throw bricks at the Jews sometimes for 2,500 years. They said, next year in Jerusalem, how, you know, we hang on to a promise for what, three weeks at the most? 2,500 years, the Jews said, next year in Jerusalem. 37 years, Archie said, he's going to do it. One of the ladies started weeping while he was singing. She said, I never do cry in public. Simon said, I will never forget this moment, ever. That guy is going to live more in the last 20 years of his life than most people get out of 80 or 90. But it's all about what you've been talking about. Plow deep. He created you for a love relationship that's supposed to be fulfilling. And it's where life is at. And the church today is missing it.
2: You know, uh, of all the messages I've had the opportunity to hear you teach and preach on, I mean, I remember so many of them, but the one I I wear every day, it's because you said so, B-Y-S-S, because you said so. Mm. And, And I put it on intentionally every morning and when I do, I pray and I say, God, today, I know I have my own emotions. I have my own thoughts. I have my own that, that stuff. But because you said so, I now give it out. And, and unfortunately, Glenn, as you talked about, we're now in a society, but people always want to tell us what. But here's what I think. Mm. But here's what I think. Well, the Bible told us what to think. Think about things that are pure, honorable, true, right. Pure. That's what we're to think on. Because you said so. And you have to live it out that way. Otherwise, this is, this is void. This, this is nothing if I don't live it out. If this doesn't match this, it's nothing.
0: Developing a mature faith where a church is filled with God's people who truly want to listen to his word. God, speak to me. Man, if we would ask that every time that we would open up God's word and then not just to listen to it, But now learn from it. And learning happens as we're reading it and we're actually looking at our own lives. And we're going, oh, okay, I need to work on this one. Because if we're really listening, God is going to use his word to speak into us and how we need to grow. But then that third key is so important. We take that now and we live it out in our lives. Regardless of what the world is saying, I've heard it, I get it, and now I go live it. When those three things are in play, a faith begins to grow like never before. Many of you know that I do a prayer walk every morning. I'm up at wee hours of the morning and I get outside and I just go with God and I don't have any headphones or anything, it's just my God time. And going through a difficult moment and I felt God's word Uh, prompt my mind and in my spirit. And it was that passage out of Joshua that says, "Uh, choose this day whom you will serve. And I stopped there for a moment because I felt like this isn't just Joshua. This is a Keith moment. And God was saying, now you choose who you're going to serve. See, I heard him, but now am I going to learn? What am I going to learn from this? Am I going to sit there and keep meditating on the struggle? and the difficult situation? And I went, no, I'm gonna choose you, but now I have to live it out. So what I began to do was, all right, God, this is the day you made for me, I will rejoice. And I began to say, I choose joy, I choose peace, I choose forgiveness, I choose righteousness, and I noticed that my step began to rise. And by the time I got home, I was like, yeah, this is a great day. Absolutely. <laughs> when God is for me, who can be against, against me? me? That's right. <laughs> to listen, to learn, and then live it out. I'm excited about this series, church. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.